0: What's going on everybody? Welcome to episode 78 of the Round the Crease podcast. This week I have Wagner assistant coach Mark Zolchanik and he's here to talk about recruiting. We answer a lot of the questions that you guys had before, kind of expand on some of the ones that I asked with coach Trey Wilkes a few weeks ago and just kind of dig a little bit deeper into the recruiting process to help you guys out. So let's get started. I am here with Wagner College defensive coordinator, Coach Mark Zolchanik. Uh, We're going to talk a little bit this week about the recruiting process, Um, kind of break it down, you know, section by section to see, you know, hopefully get some of the kids' questions. You know, I got a lot of questions on Instagram a few weeks ago. um, Kids were asking. So some of these are the ones that those kids asked. So, uh, Coach, thank you so much for being on the podcast. First time speaking with you. I really appreciate you making time.
1: Yeah, I, uh, I appreciate you having me on, and I'm ready to uh, provide provide some answers uh, to, to some of your questions and, and kind of connect some dots for uh, for some for student athletes out there and some parents.
0: Yeah, that'd be great. And speaking of connecting dots, like uh, a few weeks ago, I put kind of out on Twitter, like what were people's number one question about the recruiting process? And a little bit to my surprise, like usually it's how you get um, noticed by a college coach, but I think with the growth of so many events. Over the last five to ten years that that has now become the, I guess, the concern, which I think is kind of tied in with how to get noticed. But it's like how how should players go about, parents or parents, go about picking which events to attend? Like, how do you kind of see that process playing out?
1: I see this as I'm going to attack this one a little bit differently because I, I believe that we live in a, in a social media era where there's a lot of information that's on our phones right away. Um, a lot of these events will, will post what schools have been there or are going there, so researching these events, seeing which schools are gonna be there, are these schools of interest to you, and seeing if it's an event that you can get seen by the handful of schools that you're interested in to maximize um, your time and money. Um, as well as, what is, the, what is the format of the showcase that, that you're going to? Are you just going there to play games with uh, a group of kids that you've never played before? Or is there a coaching segment for 30, 45 minutes, an hour to where you're gonna get some skills and drills and hear a different voice from a coach that you don't normally work with, get some more hands-on time in uh, that aspect to really expand the experience of what you're going to. Um, And then you can also fine tune it by your region. You can look in your region and go, I'm willing to travel, three hours for for a showcase. What's going on near me? Um, Because the the bottom line of all this is time and money as far as all all these events. There's so many events and everything does cost money. um, And you wanna maximize what you're doing and, and what you're asking of your parents because the last thing I always say to a group of kids that I get the opportunity to work with is, hey, first thing when you see your parents um, when you when you walk off this field, if they ask you how do you think you played, don't answer that question right away. I want mm-hmm. you to tell them thank you for being here today and and t- taking me to this event. I had a lot of fun, and then go into how how your day went on the field.
0: Yeah, yeah, that's great. And I mean, I think one of the things that you mentioned kind of right at the start is kind of looking at the colleges, and I think part of that goes into just kind of knowing what you – doing some research on from the players and the parents' perspective on, like, where they might want to attend. Like, if you have no interest in a Notre Dame or a Maryland or place like that, you, maybe the, the event that, you know, going to, if those are the predominantly kind of schools that are there, maybe that's not the event that you want to pick. So, I mean, I think there's probably something from the players and parents' perspective of just, you know, don't just maybe always pick where – like, which event has the most college coaches, but maybe pick the ones that have the right college coaches, the ones that you're – interested in as well
1: yeah yeah absolutely i mean that there's there's events that will have 75 to 100 coaches at it where you're getting a lot of eyes on you but then there's also events that i've got to that are more that boutique style that are Mm -hmm. 10 to 12 coaches that's more these are the schools are going to be here do you have interest in these schools this can maximize your time and and be seen by these schools going forward
0: yeah, I mean, I, I'm sure every event would love to be the uh, National High School Lacrosse Showcase where I think they enlisted 195 coaches. I mean, but reality, not every event is like that. <laughs> so, you know, I guess uh, you got, you're going to have to uh, either pick – if you're not lucky enough to be in that, that event. But, uh, yeah, that's that's generally the, the number one question I get. But, uh, you know, you kind of talked touched a little bit on – like we, we kind of tweaked the question instead of getting noticed, but more like how do players kind of get evaluated
1: – by coaches? Um, how, how, how players get evaluated, I kind of broke this down in the, in the three categories uh, about on the field. Mm-hmm. Your Number one, your athleticism is going to stand out first and foremost. How big, how fast, how strong you are. That's, that's very easy for us to notice right away. Mm-hmm. Um, the second category that, that we like to break it down to is guys that play with a motor. And what that entails is, are you playing as hard at 8 a.m. and at 3 p.m. in the afternoon? After you have played a couple games, do you still bring that same energy to the table? That your game is consistent along the entire day. Um, We understand that days are long. We get tired sitting in chairs on turf. It's hot. We gotta drink a lot of water. But if you're able to, to make me go, wow, this kid's playing playing hard, and it's 454 in the afternoon we're we're like wow there there's something there the uh and the third category that how do we how do we evaluate players is plays made um whether that's visible visible plays on the field or the invisible types and and what i mean by that is the visible types are kind of the obvious ones mm-hmm. scoring mm-hmm. assisting uh winning faceoffs playing the ball well on defense um And then the invisible plays that we like to talk about is your stick work and moving the ball, are you using both hands? Um, how well do you set up your dodge, uh, drawing slides and moving the ball, uh, communicating, can we hear you from, from the sideline? And are you saying the right things? What are your slide decisions like and how well do you you pick up the ground balls? Um, those invisible plays make up a lot more in my opinion than the, than the visible plays.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, and that's, almost 10 different ways for you to get to get evaluated in a showcase or, or tournament uh, setting. And uh, kind of one story I want to add in there, this is another way to, to get noticed and evaluated in the off-field setting. This was uh, about two years ago at uh, at a tournament um, that I was uh, helping run. So every after every game, I'm on the radio. Hey, to all, our, all of our field managers, hey, can we make sure uh, all the teams pick up their bottles and, and and Gatorades off the field once they're done. Less work for, for us at the end of the day, right? <laughs> right, right. So so we can just take the nets off, collapse the bow nets, and go home instead of trying to pick up trash. Um, I make this announcement, um, and I'm sit, sitting at a field, and there's bottles everywhere, and, and then I guess the kid hears the announcement um, from the walkie-talkie, and there's houses all around this, uh, this field that this tournament's at. Okay. I see okay. this kid, just start walking towards this house. I'm sitting there, I'm like, this is, this is a little weird. What, what's, this, what's this kid doing? Knocks on the door, has, has a conversation with uh, the lady who, who lives in the house. A couple of minutes later, he's coming back with a garbage bag. <laughs> he fills the garbage bag with all the bottles that couldn't make it into the trash. So he went above and beyond the expectation of, oh, uh, the trash is full, like, there's nothing left for me to do he took the next step of, I'll just go get another garbage bag and I'm going to make something happen. I, we noticed that, a couple of coaches I was, I was sitting with, as much as his play on the field. Mm-hmm. So it just adds to, to what we look at at these events. So we noticed the big things all the way down down to the uh, little things as well.
0: Yeah, that, that kind of reminds me of a story. Um, Coach Torpy at High Point a couple of years ago, he was telling me, he was like, they look, I guess he always looked for things like, you know, as the recruit is... He's sitting up in the front seat while his mom's like crammed up in the back. Um, I always remember that, that quote because he was like, you know, because it, it kind of drives home the point. Like, coaches are watching even when you think they're not watching. Like those moments where like that had nothing to do with lacrosse, but obviously it got yours and your coaching staff's attention. Um, and sometimes that's all it takes. Like, you need you need that that moment. Like, you know, maybe maybe you didn't play the best that day, but you know, if there's something that makes a coach take a second look, you know, in a positive way.
1: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's, it's the little things like that, like even, even as going as far as when we're at these showcases and we have the opportunity to, to work with a different group of, uh, of young guys, um, for, for uh, three, three different games. We notice the kids who ask us questions every time they come off the field versus mm-hmm. the kids who, who don't ask any questions. Um, are we're, we're lacrosse coaches. Um, I don't teach physics. I can, mm-hmm. I can teach you how to play lacrosse. So, so ask me, ask us, these questions at these sidelines, and, and we take notice of, of stuff like that, then like, as well as like the little things on the sideline. Like, Are you are you crowding the box, or are you making sure that everyone's getting the, the same amount of run in the midfield? Because in that setting, it's just go straight down the line. If you're the next guy up, you go. Or, and we also notice if guys are cutting guys off in the line. Let, let everyone play. Everyone's going to pl- play the same amount. We're going to rotate guys equally. But are you being a good teammate in those situations? We we take exceptional notice to to things like that.
0: Yeah, you, you, I want to go back to one thing you mentioned because you mentioned you know seeing the kids how they're playing at four. Like, does there ever come a time where like maybe you see a kid, you know, say eight a.m. fresh, you know, fresh off a good night's sleep and whatnot, and you notice him? Do you guys ever go back and be like, I want to see how he's playing during that last game of the day?
1: Oh, oh, absolutely. I mean the. Recruiting process as a, as a whole is a, is a multiple evaluation process. We want to see a couple times, whether that's twice at an event, or maybe the following weekend, maybe from the beginning of the summer, we'll see in the middle, see at the end. Um, we'll go back and, and re- re-watch a kid to, to see what he's doing later on in the day. Was it just a flash in the pan? Mm-hmm. Um, or is he a consistent player that brings the same um, qualities to the field every single time? Because um, consistency at the college level is is probably at the utmost importance of what you're doing on your day to day basis as far as uh attacking your dates yeah.
0: mm-hmm. um and kind of kind of um merging in with that, and like for a lot of the kids that are basically not on the east Coast, a lot of the questions I get is you know does the getting noticed or evaluated is it any different for kids that are not on the East Coast, like maybe a kid in the midwest or west or? you know, some of the locations where it's not considered the the hotbed?
1: Um, in my opinion, um, I'm going to say the the answer is unfortunately yes, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to lay, lay everything out there so there's kind of a clear picture of what I see. I, I think as far as getting noticed, I don't think there's any, any difference. Whether you're from the West Coast, Midwest, Southeast, if you stand out on a field and, and we're there, we're going to notice you. If it's a situation that requires we want to see you play again, that's where there's a little bit of a difference. We're we're gonna we're gonna see the same kids locally a lot throughout the summer, where most most of these events on the East Coast are made up of your New Jersey, Long Island, Philly, Baltimore teams, where there might be a splash of a team from one of those areas where we get to see them for that opportunity, and. Taking advantage of if a coach reaches out to he wants to be able to to see you again, how you follow up with that. Um, Sending your highlight tape um, and sending your game schedule, but also finding out where they're going to be going forward is a big piece of the process. Um, And and as you communicate with the schools, having candid uh, communication with them, where do I stand with you guys um, to lead to like. Maybe they really want to see you one last time and maybe that opportunity is a prospect day. If I play well, are we going to take that next step? Mm-hmm. Because again, it is time and money, but that honest communication with the coaches and being mature enough to, to ask those questions goes a long way for those non-traditional areas as far as taking next steps and getting evaluated a couple times throughout the process. So we truly get to know you on and off the field.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Um, and just to kind of clarify, obviously the the contact and with coaches that would only come after September first of a player's junior year. So, you know, yeah. for a player that you know before that period, because I know the rules <laughs> rules have changed here recently. Um, you know, for a player that's not at that point where you guys can't reach back to them, like what things could they be doing um, to make sure, like you know, if they're in. You know, I'm a player. I'm interested in Wagner. You know, I was at an event and I played with you guys. Like, I might not know if you guys are interested in that point, but, you know, maybe I've done my research and I'm like, hey, that's a place I want to go. But you guys can't express, tell them anything. What should a player like that do to make sure they're at least on the radar or, you know, have a put themselves in the best position to know you guys know who they are?
1: I mean, the, the, the biggest way where whether it's before September 1st or after September 1st in the junior year is that self-interest process. Well, we can't reach out to the kids before September 1st, they still have the ability to, to send emails. The only thing we could obviously send back is, a, is, a, is camp information, but we take notice of who sends us emails. And we, we put a big effort into going to see the guys who are self-interest, to see them play and being at those events um, to, to, to get those uh, evaluations. And then after that September 1st date, Another big piece of the puzzle is those coaches' uh, re- recommendations. Um, like uh, one, one of my buddies is, is a coach down south. Um, he's he's in my ear about 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 his kids, and it's another added evaluation getting to getting to know you um, that helps the recruiting process from a non-traditional area to be to get seen multiple times. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So you, I guess a kid can always talk to his travel coach, high school coach, and have them be their mouthpiece. If they're, I mean, obviously, you guys know, you know, and I know over my years, like the high school coaches, they're not gonna, they're not gonna lie to you about a kid because it's their reputation on the line too. So you know, a kids not, you know, coach isn't gonna recommend because then you're not gonna go back to that coach. So like I know there's people out there that you know might think otherwise be like oh my kid wants to go to wagner so the coach should get him in there but the coach has a reputation like you're not going to keep talking to a kid's coach if he keeps you know blowing smoke up your butt <laughs> about yeah. about his players kind of thing you know it's your job to recruit the best and help you guys win um so i think that that was fantastic for both september 1st and before september 1st players
1: yeah i mean if i want to kind of wrap that up into do two probably biggest points of of that entire kind of I was almost lo- a little bit of a tangent is being proactive in what you're doing with your emails, then being able to have those candid conversations to maximize what you're trying to do in search of the right fit for you and and getting seen. I think those are the two biggest pieces that go a long way um, in in the non-traditional process. Yeah,
0: yeah. Um, and again, this kind of uh, intentionally kind of all ties in ties in together. Um, but how early should a player um, start trying to get and get um, the attention of a college coach.
1: Um, I would say the before the rising junior year to to get on some radars. Um, with these new rules, which I think they're they're fantastic. Um, enjoy your freshman and sophomore year. Have zero pressure about trying to think about what college that that you want to go to. Enjoy high school. Enjoy enjoy sports as a whole, and. Maybe do one prospect camp that's local just to hear a different voice coaching you, have a, mm-hmm. have a little bit different experience outside of the guys that you, you normally play with, but don't have to go crazy by by, what's, by what so means. Just try to do things to get you better. Play in the backyard. Um, and then around that time of, of, ju- of your ju- rising junior year, start putting yourself out there with sending some emails and get on some radar of, of some colleges that you might be interested in.
0: Yeah, that's perfect. Um, so what, uh, I know we talked a lot about the, the on the field stuff, but what are some non-athletic factors that factor heavily into the recruiting process from your guys' perspective?
1: Um, I would say probably at the top of our, our list is is grades. Um, we we want to know that, that you're a good student in the classroom. Um, what you do in the classroom translates to what you're going to do on the field. Um, and with grades, that you're trending upwards in school. Let's say a kid he is let's call it an average freshman year. Um, might be a C plus B minus type type of student. Mm-hmm. Um, that he doesn't stay that same way as a 14 year old than he is as a 17 18 year old. His grades might be a C plus B minus, but if he's a, a rising, if he's a, a junior and his grades are B pluses A minuses, we we see the maturity factor has risen as you've grown up and you've understood the past management in the classroom that's probably related to how well you've gotten better as a lacrosse player yeah. uh, so trending upwards is a big thing that that we like to look for
0: right. i mean that's got to be like i know i've talked with previous coaches in the past that couldn't be my usual co-host michael ward like uh you know the uh, D, d1 lacrosse is in some uh, d1 sports in some respects is almost like your full-time job like it's no you, you what is it? Uh, you, when it uh, cheap, fast, or I forget. I'm gonna draw a blank on the thing. It was like you can two out two out of the three. It's like you, you're probably not gonna be able to join a frat, play lacrosse, and go to school. Like you have to sacrifice something. So you know, being able to improve in the classroom and time management um, is a skill that I think you know. I think even adults can learn. <laughs> you know, it's one of those things yeah. like trying to learning how to manage your time and how to make time for everything and continually improve in those areas um, is an important like skill that. Really, you never stop learning uh, for the most uh, part.
1: <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And I mean to, to kind of touch on a few more things. Um, I said it just previously, your, your ability to, to communicate and have a conversation. Um, and how you learn how to do that is normally um, when you're about to talk to a college coach, it's probably a scheduled phone call. Mm-hmm. Hey, we're going to talk at Tuesday at 730. Um, be in a relaxed setting uh, be ready to have that phone call, do a little research, have some questions ready. So it's a fluid conversation back and forth rather than we're getting a one word answer and it feels like we're talking to you. We don't want to talk to you. We want to get to know you and have a a, a candid conversation that has some back and forth and, and some flow to a conversation. Um, and then something else after that, uh, would be, like I said, at the very start your social media accounts. Um, what does uh, your bio say? Um, what is uh, your username? What is, what is your default picture? If, if, you're, if your account is private, we obviously really can't look too much into that, but if it's public, um, what, do, what are you posting? What, what, what are your captions? Your, your social media gives, you, gives us a, a snapshot of how you present yourself to your family, your friends, and the outside world. So if that's how you put yourself out there to the public, we, we want to see that side too. Um, so that's something that, that we to look to look into. And then uh, sort of athletic, but it's not lacrosse related, is uh, do you play multiple sports? Um, do you have a of an ability to pick up multiple things in, in different areas uh, playing sports that you haven't peaked out your athletic potential in the lacrosse field? Yeah. Um, yeah. so that's probably my, my, my four non-athletic factors that I'd feature heavily in recruiting. Yeah.
0: I, I want to expand a little bit on the, the multi-sport thing. Cause I think I've been hearing a lot about it. I hear about it a lot, all the time, but I think there was that article that came out not too uh, long ago from, I think it was the Atlantic or the New Yorker. I forget which one. Um, but it was kind of talking about the decrease in, um, athletic participation, but some of that, May have been because of the special uh, specialization in some sports like I think football and basketball. Like so, the numbers don't look as much because the kids, you know, those kids that used to play football in the uh, uh, fall, basketball in the winter, and then maybe lacrosse or track and field in the spring. They're football from you know the moment in. Why in? But lacrosse is, I say, fairly unique because I've covered. You know all three of the major sports like football baseball and basketball and lacrosse seems to be really the only one for the most part that i hear almost all the coaches be like we want you to play other sports every other sport is almost like if you're going football you're football like you got to train for it why do you think the multi-sport athlete is so valued or treasured in the sport of lacrosse
1: i want to i want to say it's more valued and treasured because of untapped potential um what you might not be dedicating full year round to, to one thing means you don't, you don't know how to do everything yet. So we have the ability as college coaches who do this full time, 365, that we can take you to where we think that you, you can go that much further because you haven't played lacrosse year round every single day that you've, uh, you've gone onto the football field, you put on a football helmet and, and you ran some routes. Well, now, I like to relate things to other to other sports. So if I'm coaching you how to dodge, well, how do you run a post route? You probably cut off one foot, cut off the other and and cut to the inside. It's the same way same way as a split dodge. So being able to relate things to multiple sports I think for us as lacrosse coaches is uh, is a big piece big piece of the puzzle. Um or talking more defensively uh, if I'm talking about how we're going to play at goal line extended and how we're going to use our hands, it's probably very similar to how a D lineman is going to use his hands and, and get that punch out and drive with his hands, but also using his feet to to get to get around the, the tackles. Mm-hmm. So I like to, to use sports as examples so for kids to be able to understand that because they're just not lacrosse-only guys, I think that I think that goes a long, a long way.
0: Yeah, that's, that's great. And I think also I think from probably the – physical perspective is like, you don't suffer those uh, repetitive injuries quite as from what I understand. Like, I'm not, I'm not a doctor. I'm not a scientist so Don't please don't take anything I say uh, verbatim, yeah. but you know, I hear like, you know, those repetitive sports injuries, you know, I mean, tennis elbow, things like that you hear, cause it's just used over and over and over again. Like I think those get decreased when you play some other sports and use your muscle, gr- different muscle groups, even though you might be using your legs, you're using them in a different way than doing the yeah. same thing over and over and practicing that split dodge all the time eventually you'll probably get injured but you know if you do some different things like you'll strengthen your body all around reduce the amount of injuries hopefully anyway
1: yeah i mean to i mean to that point you kind of just reminded me i'm pretty sure it's uh jim harbaugh quoted uh the body craves contact so Mm. you're going to get a lot of different kind of body contact in different sports to learn how to maneuver your way in different positions the, the way your body's going to get contacted in cross is going to be different than football. It's going to be different than basketball. It's going to be different than if you play, play hockey. So being able to learn how your body operates and, and have a sense of yourself and, and the athlete that you are playing different sports plays a big piece in the body, wanting that contact and thriving in those moments of, of pressure, but of being under control.
0: Yeah. And I mean, I've, I've, Remember talking to a bunch of kids from Minnesota years ago, um and then recently they're they're always spout how you know valuable playing hockey was to their lacrosse career, like they said they learned so much about you know playing about like how they play in lacrosse by you know their skills that they learned on the ice so and I mean, I've heard that I remember I mentioned in an earlier podcast Justin Shockey said he thought he was so good at the face off because I think he did it was either whitewater rafting or kayaking in high school and he was really good at it, but he was like, oh, those little movements." for your forearms really helped strengthen them up. And he felt that was really the kind of key in him being able to pick up the face-off so, so quickly and dominate at it. So it's like, wasn't necessary. Obviously he practiced a lot at the face-off, but it was those other, other sports that helped him kind of hone those skills in ways that, you know, other kids may not have or may not experience.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I could see, I could see that relating, uh, 100%.
0: Yeah. Um, so one of the questions that I got, um, this was a kid off Instagram had asked, uh, is, Walking on, walking, being a walk-on at a, a division one school—is that a thing? Like, is that something that happens?
1: Um, yes, absolutely, one hundred percent. At both of uh, my previous stops, um, I've seen I've seen it happen. So we're we're talking at the power five level uh, down to the uh, mid major level. Uh, but with with walking on, your process is going to be a little bit different. Um, you have to you have to be able to, to move the needle. Uh, for the program you just you just can't be a guy at the at the back end of the roster um, They you got to follow kind of that middle ground or higher uh, To be able to walk on successfully um, And that goes on and off the field um, The first kind of contact that you're gonna have about that walk-on process Well as all the guys on the team probably got their their physicals done over the summer all their sports med paperwork has been has been taken care of your first Point of contact in this walk-on process is probably that sports med hurdle. When classes start, um, they they put out a flyer of cross tryouts or, or walk-on dates is going to be in a week and a half. Well, you have a week and a half to now get your sports medicine paper, paperwork done and, and get yourself cleared to be able to give yourself that opportunity. Um, are you taking the most of that? And if you get it done the next day. The day after that, it only takes you 48 hours or 72 hours to get that done. You're automatically showing the coaches, Hey, I'm on, I'm on top of uh, what I'm doing on my own end. I want to show you what I can do on the field. It's the guys that will put themselves in that hole and they might not get cleared till the day of um, a tryout. That's automatically assigned to a college coach. Is this kid really made of the right stuff in between the years that he's prepared? to be a part of a, a Division One program in the walk-on process. So that's kind of the first sign and evaluation step for a walk-on. If we know nothing about you, if you just show up, the, uh, show up on the doorstep and go, hey, uh, I want to try out. So uh, that being said, I've seen it done successfully um, at, at the top end and, and, the, and the mid-major level. So it's something that can be done. Um, so it's definitely not, not out of the question. Yeah,
0: I mean it sounds it sounds not too dissimilar to the, you know, our how we started with like how to get evaluated and get, you know, get noticed. Like it starts all over. If that's something you want to do, you kind of got to get that attention in a positive way and, you know, sounds sounds pretty similar uh, you know, it's just a little different cuz you're already there.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's uh it's similar as far as we're going to pay attention to the small things about the walk-ons and 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 see how they act in that short little time frame because we're only going to have I think it's three practices is the allowance mm-hmm. of how long the walk-on period is. It might be different per, per school. Um, but uh, we're, we have a shortened time frame to now make a decision on on the walk-ons. Is it is he on the field with our guys before practice? Or is he just showing up as, as we're getting ready to stretch? Um, is he asking us questions after practice? Putting yourself out there. You, you probably don't want to be the first guy in line in the drill because you, you want to see what we're doing. Probably take the lead as one of the freshmen on the uh, as as they do, let like the older guys lead. Mm-hmm. But we want to see uh, see it in the mix it, during during these drills that that you happen during practice. Yeah. So um, it's all things we notice in the walk on process.
0: Mm-hmm. It, it's it's funny as we kind of talk. We have one one question left, but you know it's it it sounds like the, and. Nothing again that I haven't heard for over the years, but I think for anybody listening it, it, something to take note of is it's not always the on the field stuff necessarily that might get your guy's attention. It's a lot of the little things that are done you know outside the lines or even you know in the kids with the with the trash like maybe it's on the field, but it's not playing lacrosse like some of the little things you do can put you in your best possible position to you know get get the attention of a college coach. Um, that you yeah. may not have otherwise
1: done. Yeah, I mean, something I'll add about, about the little things, it's something that I I believe in, um, is that when you are in college and, and you are wearing your college around campus, you're wearing your college t-shirt that says Men's Lacrosse on it, you're representing something that's bigger than you. Um, the program will go on with or without you. So your decisions while you're a part of the program represent a whole larger than the current 2019-2020 um, men's lacrosse program. You're representing everything that happened before you and everything that's going to happen after you in regards to the whole program. Um, so the little things go a long way as you represent that kind of idea. Yeah,
0: that's, that's perfect. Um, so to kind of wrap it up, um, you know, we, we've talked about a lot. We talked about the little things, some of the big things. But what do you, in your opinion, is the number one thing a recruit can do? Um, or a player can do to make themselves the most recruitable player possible?
1: I would say the number one thing uh, that a, a recruitable player can do is their ability to create a relationship with the coaches in the places that they want to go. Um, having that, those interactions on the phone, um, that it's a good back and forth. We, we know who you are. We know about your family. I know what sports teams you like. You know what sports teams I like. Uh, you tell me about what you did o- over over Labor Day or how uh, your Christmas break was. Um, those relationships and, and building those make players more more recruitable. if I, If I hang up the phone and I go, that was, that was a good conversation. Um, that, that, that kid, that kid's awesome. He now moves a little bit higher on the board as far as, yeah, I, I really want that kid. I, I'd have a hard time having that kid not be in our program regardless of the even playing field of talent. So if you have two even even players as far as talent goes, the one that creates a better relationship is probably going to get that kind of nod in that situation.
0: Yeah. yeah. And I have to believe it's like um, I, uh, there was a number of coaches I ta- heard talk over the summer and talk about, you know, I think we talked about a little bit about finding the right fit. You know, you guys want to know that someone wants to be at Wagner, not that a kid just wants to play D1. Like he wants to be at your school. Like, you, I mean – I'm sure you guys hate it when a kid comes to campus and just doesn't enjoy himself and doesn't enjoy and ends up transferring out. Like you guys, you know, you guys want the players that, who, that want to be there, so that creating that relationship to know that the kid, like, hey, this kid, he's as interested in us as we are of him. Like, that's the perfect match, and that's gonna get the best out of you guy, Your guys' program is when you get a bunch of players all rowing in that same direction. They all want to wear that Wagner on the front of their jersey.
1: Yeah, absolutely. It's all about. Finding, yes, uh, we, we do want to find that talent on the field, but it's finding the, the like-minded individuals that, that we can build relationships with and they understand us is going to take us um, as programs to, to where we want to go. Um, and is, you can find a, like, a like-minded individual that can create a uh, relationship in New Jersey, in Long Island. You can find them in Kansas City. You can find them in Minnesota. You can find them in, in California. It's all about how well can you build that relationship um, to make yourself the most recruitable player to stand out uh, among the rest.
0: Yeah. And most adults will know this, but for any of the high school kids listening, it's really not going to be any different than when you're hunting for a job leader. <laughs> either, creating those relationships. You know, so you can, get a, you can get an early start on that and life will be maybe a little bit easier if you learn it now than you know, when you're out in the job market. Relationships do count for quite a lot. <laughs>
1: Uh, I mean, absolutely. I mean, when you get to the, into the job market and the job hunt, um, your resume is just bl- black and white ink. Um, just, it's just a piece of paper. It doesn't speak to, to who you are as a person and, and the characteristics that you bring to the table. When you, when you get those job interviews, um, it's that meeting, that, that first interaction. How, how well does that go? How well do you portray yourself? Goes further in that next step of getting to the next round of interviews and landing that job outside of what's on the piece of paper. So it's about taking what's on the paper and making that jump off. Makes makes people uh, more recruitable, whether it's to jobs, um, to to schools, or, or even f- finding that future wife. Uh, <laughs> so it it all comes together in how well do, do you can you create relationships. Yeah,
0: good good life lesson i didn't know we were gonna get into that but you know yeah. that's actually per- it's it's well you know we always say all the time like sports is the metaphor for life and i mean i think that's kind of perfect perfect explanation is to to why like you know it's really one of those things i mean for even people who aren't getting recruited you know or you know maybe not even want to be recruited but like these are still lessons you can learn um you know playing high school lacrosse and just kind of building those relationships in and then moving on because i mean if you're moving on to college anywhere i mean it is little bit of a sales pitch you're selling yourself and you have to convince people like, you know, why, why should you want to be here? I mean, that's what college essays are all about. Like convincing the college, like why should we pick you over someone else? I mean, it really kind of hammers that home.
1: Yeah. I mean the, uh, one bit, one big piece of advice that, that I like to always share and I, I tweeted about it, uh, right before uh, September 1st is college. It, it's not a four year decision. It's uh, it's a 40 year decision. Uh, upon graduating high school, the, the right fit for a potential student athlete is going to set themselves up for that success they want in college on the lacrosse field. But where are you going to go after that? Are you going to be able to get that next job and, and get that f- buy your first car and, and do all those things that you want to do and have goals for and have aspirations for? Your college is going to set you up for those next steps. Um, so it's their first big life decision it's uh it's an exciting one um and it's one that takes some pride in and and i enjoy helping young student athletes th- uh, throughout this process as, as much as i can
0: yeah yeah well coach well, um before before i let you go like with uh people want to get more information on the wagner program maybe they want to uh follow you on twitter like where can people kind of follow up find you guys you and the program online
1: we are on Instagram, um, at Wagner M Lacks. um, on Twitter, it's at Wagner lacrosse. And then I myself is, uh, on Twitter and Instagram, um, at coach Z O L C H O N O C K. I know it's a mouthful. I tell <laughs> my guys to call me coach Z. Um, so th- thank you, dad, for, for a long last name, <laughs> uh, we make it work. Yeah, I guess you
0: you guys had you, you probably sat um, in the last seat in class. I'm guessing you know in high school quite a bit.
1: I was uh, in college. I was supposed to be the last kid who who graduated uh, at Kane University. I was the last guy in line. <laughs> uh, I had enough of it. I cut like four people because I couldn't be the last one in my last <laughs> guy in line. So uh, my mom got a good laugh out of that. She's like, "How'd they go from ZA to ZO?" real quick. And I was like, I I make things happen.
0: Yeah. (laughs) So taking those life lessons and learning, like, uh, you know, you know, waiting to be last is not going to get you very far, but (laughs) yeah. (laughs) All right, coach. And I will have links to uh, all the things you mentioned, um, in the, in the show notes as well as well as online at laxrecords.com coach. I cannot thank you enough, uh, for, for being on today. I really appreciate it.
1: I I appreciate, uh, being here and and getting a chance to uh, chat with you and and sharing some knowledge and some content.